You're listening to Gender, A Wider Lens. I'm Stella O'Malley, a psychotherapist in Ireland. And I'm Sasha Ayad, an adolescent therapist in the United States. Since 2016, my practice has been exclusively dedicated to gender-questioning teens and families impacted by gender dysphoria. I also work with gender-questioning teenagers, and I facilitate at support meetings for families and individuals who have been impacted by gender issues. We're curious about the concept of gender and how it's unfolding in the wider culture. Join us as we look at gender through a wider lens. This is part two of our conversation with Helena, the 23-year-old detransitioned young woman. Helena shares some vulnerable and intimate details with us about her experience within her family and how her gender identity questioning had something to do with trying to draw a certain engagement and attention from her parents that she felt was missing. She also goes on in this conversation to advise parents who are listening on some of the most helpful ways that they can lean in with love and curiosity and compassion when their child is questioning their gender. Here is our conversation with Helena. Hi, Stella and Helena. How are you two doing? Good. I'm good. <laughs> it's um, nice to have you back for another episode here. And, you know, last time you you helped us understand a lot of the cultural phenomena around the, the trans kid, per se. And today we wanted to um, have you share your insights about the parent-child relationship. Um, because this is really tricky, and of course, it can often be a conflicted place when kids come out to their parents. So we're excited to have you on. You're really insightful, and you're really good at helping parents understand where their kid's mindset is. So um, I thought we could start by talking about, uh, you know, the, the kind of coming out conversation or coming out letter or coming out email. I have found that kids often think I'm either terrified that my parents are going to reject me because I've read a lot about rejection of trans kids online or, well, of course my parents are going to be a hundred percent supportive and affirmative because we've always been close. So I don't know if that's an accurate reading, but can you share with us, Helena, like where do you think a lot of kids minds are when they have that conversation with their parents? Um, I think for I think there's those those two options that you listed off those sound about right but I also think there's kind of a, a third route especially for I, I guess myself and I feel like a lot of other young people where maybe they don't feel like they have the closest relationship with their families but they also don't their families aren't the kind of people who would like kick them out um, where I feel like sometimes the announcement of the trans identity or even the way that the trans identity is announced is a little bit of like calling the parents bluff in that saying, you know, you didn't want to pay attention to me before. Well, you're going to now and it's either going to be positive or it's going to be negative. But really in a lot of ways, I think it's a way to just get attention and not just, you know, I think, I feel like the word attention has like a negative stigma associated with it, but as a child or as a teenager, like you want your parents to be invested in you. You want them to care about what's going on in your life. And if a child doesn't feel like th that way, um, then I feel like the trans identity and the way that it's announced can be a way to kind of force that out of the parents. Um, and <laughs> at least for me, it was a little bit, um, I expected them to, you know, be 
Because, I mean, I read about rejection and stuff like that, but most of the time I read less about rejection and more about the parents, like, arguing with their children um, and just, like, getting very invested in, you know, the the child and their trans identity became kind of, like, the the whole world of the family for that small point in time. And I kind of felt like subconsciously I wanted that. Um, but that's not really what happened in my family. Um, it was just kind of like this initial, very negative clash, um, where my parents were very, they didn't like the idea. And then nobody talked about it for months until I went on testosterone and then it blew up again. Um, so yeah, I I feel like, could I ask you, you said you kind of wanted it. What, what did you want? Just so I could hear you kind of wanted that bubble kind of thing or something. Yeah, I wanted all of that attention that I saw other kids getting from their families, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so many kids would talk about, you know, like, oh, now my mom is reading everything on my phone, or my mom doesn't want me to hang out with all these other kids, or my mom uh, is buying me all of these new clothes, and my mom is you know, arguing with me about my gender. And obviously, a lot of those experiences are very negative. But for a child who felt like my parents didn't give a crap about what was going on in my life or me really. And I had a really distant relationship with them. Um, I, I kind of wanted that attention that I felt a lot of other trans identified families were putting onto their kids. So I feel like there's a little bit of a, a third route, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. This resonates because sometimes this comes on the heel of something that Uh, tore up the bond between parent and child. So sometimes, for example, it's like, well, you know, two years prior, her little brother was in the hospital for a medical condition. So we were all Mm -hmm. just like really focused on him. Or, um, you know, I had to really travel a lot for work a couple of years before this happened. So she was really being watched by the nanny or the dad or something. So oftentimes there is some kind of a disruption to the relationship between parent and child for Mm -hmm. various reasons. And even like with COVID, I know parents say we were super close and then school went to online learning. And then my kid got glued to their screen. And the only thing they wanted to do is be online and like normal family dinners where she used to come down every night and we would talk about our day. Like all she wanted to do is be on the computer. So for various reasons, I think what you're saying is something about this trans announcement can be a way to meet a need, an an attachment need of engagement. And I remember like somebody said, even fighting is better than ignoring somebody like in a relationship, you know, like it shows the person is present with you. Yes. Yes. And I feel like that's why I kind of try to get the point across. And this isn't to like blame parents in any way, but I feel like when there's this situation where child comes forward with a trans identity. A lot of the times I feel like that's an indicator that there's something that can be worked on or needs to be resolved or needs to be looked at in a different way in the relationship. So sometimes parents say to me, you know, cause I often recommend like lean in with a lot of love and structure. I always kind of recommend for parents to lean in and they say stuff like, well, She's pushing us away. She doesn't want us to be around us. She doesn't want to spend time with us. And I often feel like there's what happens on the surface, you know, but you have to read between the lines because I do think kids really need their parents to show an engagement and an involvement and a caring, even if there's some bumps in the road there. So what do you say to a parent who's like, oh, no, no, she just says she wants space. 
Um, I mean, she probably does want space. Adolescence is a time where you're kind of separating a little bit from the family and figuring out your identity and kind of where you stand. And it's natural to want to rebel, but at least from my experience um, with myself and also other trans-identified girls that I knew when I was younger, um, there was usually a reason why she didn't want to spend that much time with her parents um, or he. I knew a few boys, too. I mean, it doesn't have to be something serious, like someone's being seriously abused. It can just be like, I don't know, there's, there's a strain in the parents' relationship or, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Or or maybe, at least with, with my parents, it was like, it was pretty clear that they had kind of like stopped enjoying being around each other. Um, and they just weren't addressing that. And that just kind of stewed for years and years and years. But it was like, just being around them was really uncomfortable. And I didn't want to be at those family dinners. I didn't want to go on family trips because it was just like, it didn't, it didn't feel like a family. I felt like a bunch of people just who were kind of forcing themselves to be together because that's what you're supposed to do as a family. Um, and so I feel like oftentimes there's kind of things like that floating around that understandably, maybe the parents don't want to look at and don't want to address or don't want to admit to themselves. But it's, I feel like it's a combination between natural, just adolescent kind of separating mm -hmm. yourself. And if there's, if you really feel like there's something wrong going on where the relationship is being damaged, I would look at just how is the family functioning as a whole. That's such a good point. So, so there's always more to the story than what it looks like on the surface. And there's usually mm -hmm. something that the family can become more conscious of because this has been brought to their attention. Yeah. So in your family, there was an initial really kind of negative reaction. And then you guys just didn't talk about it at all for a long time. Yeah. I can kind of go into how I came out to my parents. Yeah. Um, when I was in my senior year of high school, so after about three years of already identifying as trans and not saying anything to them, just kind of like cutting my hair short, nobody asked me about it changing my clothes. Nobody really asked me about it. Um, then eventually I was like, for months, I was kind of preparing for this epic coming out moment where I, I had this file on my computer of all of these different like definitions of trans terms and like book recommendations and blah, 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 blah. And like a, a letter that I had written to them or whatever, or maybe actually I don't think I had written the letter at this point. But I had like a file of all these different resources. And so I was planning to have like a sit down moment, of, like mom, dad, I'm trans. But one day me and my mom were just like driving home from Kroger, which is like the grocery store. Yeah. And it was like a deathly awkward silence for some reason. And then just impulsively, I just like blurted it out. And I was like, hey, mom, I'm transgender. You can call me male name. And I would prefer he, him pronouns. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> and... <laughs> <gasps> and then after I, after that left my mouth, I was just like, why did I do that? I have no idea why I did that. It just like literally came out. I guess maybe it was the buildup of doing all this preparation. And then just mm. for some reason, I just like spewed it out. But that's, that's how I did it initially. How did she react? 
Yeah. So she, I remember she was just like silent for the longest time. And then she's like driving, you know, she's like completely silent, just like staring ahead, staring daggers at the road. And I'm just sitting there like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? And it's very quiet. And then after a few minutes like that, she's like, well, that's ridiculous. You're not a boy. I'm not calling you that. I'm not calling you a he. And then I was just like, okay. And it was just like a very like anticlimactic, oh. like painfully cringe. Just I had this whole thing prepared, this fantasy oh. of like there everything's going to explode, and then I just fumbled it and I blurted it out. And then my mom was just like, "Well, that's stupid," and the, it just fell you. flat like that. And tell me, um, wh- what do you think? Looking back, if you don't mind me asking. What would have been the best, nicest, warmest reaction? I wonder. Well, my mom is not the warmest person, but I guess in like a in like a a different world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think maybe she would be like, "Oh, like why? Why would you? Why do you say that? Like, what's going on? Do you have something that you wanted to talk about, or something like just kind of like asking a little bit more, being a little bit curious instead of just kind of like immediately shutting it down with like coldness and like, no, that's just stupid. Oh, I'm gonna keep driving, and we're not gonna talk. Yikes! Yeah. When you said you had a, a fantasy of some kind of big blow up. What was in your imagination? Just uh, one of those moments that you reenact in the shower where it's like, you, like, I'm going to say I'm trans. Then my parents are going to be like, what? No, you can't be trans. What are you talking about? And then I'm going to be like, well, actually I am because A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. And you're going to blow their minds. (laughs) Yeah. And then they're going to be like, whoa, oh, she's so smart, smarter than us. He is so smart. Yeah. He is so smart. Yeah. Um, And I just, I I felt like it was kind of going to be like that. And, and, um, and then, you know, they were going to kind of fight me on it and push back, but no, I was going to do what I wanted. And then eventually sometime down the line, they would realize that I'm trans and eventually the whole thing would bring us closer and it was going to be fine. And there might even be some fantasy of like a redemption that they would have to make. Like, we're sorry, we didn't believe you. Like, yes. did you imagine that? Yes. 100%. Yeah. Might there also have been some sort of, I'm only guessing, but it's going to shake everybody into an authentic place or deeper emotions or better and bigger place. Yeah. That feels, that feels right intuitively. Like just, um, I, I felt like there is, there was a big shaking up that needed to happen There you because go. I feel like I'm spilling everything about my family, but Sorry. it's kind of <laughs> necessary to talk about it. But in my family, there's like, um, it's, it's just one of those families where it's like nothing is talked about. Like one of us could die and nobody would say anything. Well, so you came out as trans, you went bang. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, I'm just going to explode everything. And now everybody's going to have to like talk and face get things. Real. And like get, get real. real. Yeah. But the getting real didn't happen. They said, don't And, uh, so after this car ride, I I went home and I just felt, I felt like shit about myself. 
Um, I just felt terrible. I was like, why did she, I was like, I expected at least for her to like fight me, but no. Um, and, and the fact that I just kind of shut down immediately after it, I was just like, okay, yeah. Okay. I'm not trans. Okay, cool. Um, so I was like, I was in my room doing my thinking and stuff. I was looking at my trans resources paper and I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to, because I just, I just kind of, I fumbled it, you know, and I didn't explain myself well. Can I just say, for, in defense of little Helena, you didn't fumble <laughs> it. You know, you, 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 the, the person in the car fumbled it. You, you kind of, duh. that's true. You, you know what I mean? Like you weren't met. Yeah. You tried. Yeah. You weren't met. I guess I felt like I fumbled it because I had been preparing for this like big moment for so long. But yeah, so I was like, I'm going to write a letter, just like explain myself and all this stuff. And I'm going to print it all out at school with all these resources that I've compiled. And then I'm going to like slip it under my mom's bedroom door so that she can find it. Yeah. So I did that. The message (laughs) is like, you can't squash who I am with one dismissive conversation in the car. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to get some sort of acknowledgement and you didn't get any, I mean, you didn't even get a big blow up fight and mom crying and begging you not to be trans. She just said, that's ridiculous. No. So I I can completely understand how as, as the young person in the situation, you're like, you have a sense of like determination, like this is important to me. So, yeah. Okay. So you're like, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to print it out at school. It's going to have resources, which Mm -hmm. parents love resources. So you thought this will get them or this will do it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I I printed it off and I put it under my mom's door or something with like a little cover letter being like to mom, like this is the real me or something like that. Who knows? Um, Yeah. And then like two days later, I just found it like in the trash (gasps) and (laughs) like in the kitchen trash. So I I remember like looking at it and being like, Oh my God. And being kind of frustrated. Like, why isn't this working? Like everyone else is saying that them and their families are like fucking going to therapy and (laughs) shit. Why isn't this working? (laughs) Um, Sorry if I'm cussing too much. No, that's okay. That's okay. Oh my God. That is awful. Yeah. So I felt, I felt pretty terrible. Um, And then, yeah, it just wasn't talked about for months until this was maybe like halfway through my senior year um, until I don't know, beginning of summer, maybe. Um, and then again, we were at Kroger for some reason. It's, it's Kroger that does this to me consistently, but, um, so we're at Kroger getting our groceries and somehow this conversation starts about my gender identity. And we're like, I remember like my mom's like me and my mom are kind of like arguing, but not in like a making a scene way. in one of those ways where it's like, you're kind of quiet and you're like, wow. And my mom's like grabbing yogurts off the shelf and like throwing them into the cart angrily while she's like arguing with me. And she's like, why can't you just be a lesbian? If you want to be masculine, why can't you just do that? You want to date girls? Is that what you want? And I was just like, no, I'm a boy. I'm a boy. I kept like asserting this. And then we got into a car and it turned into like a real fight. That was the first real fight that we had where some pretty nasty words were exchanged on both sides. Um, And then after that, Again, didn't talk about it for months. Things just went back to normal. 
And then like the week before I went off to college, I told my mom, like, listen, I've registered with my school as a boy. They're only going to know me by my boy name. So you're going to look like an idiot if you go there and you start using this name that they don't even have in their filing system. So you should probably use my boy name. Um, and she was just like, she kind of was calm and she just agreed that like, okay, while you're at school, I'll use these names and pronouns that you want me to use. And by this stage, were you completely presenting as a boy? Mm-hmm. In my feeble way <laughs> of like, I, I like, uh, I didn't know how to get my hair cut and I didn't, I went back to my like regular like female hairdresser and she cut my hair in a way that was like a pixie cut not in like a boy cut and so I was wearing a beanie over my head every day and I was wearing like my my binder with like my hoodies and my basketball shorts and that was like my uniform every single day so I was presenting as a guy but you know in a very Mm. strange looking way um so yeah then I, I went to college and then a week after I started college, I came back home. My school was like an hour and a half away. I came back home and that's when my mom and I got into our biggest fight about it, um, where she she used my, my regular name. She used Helena instead of my trans name. And I got mad at her and I was like, why can't you respect me? Why don't you care about how I feel? And it got really, really, really ugly. And eventually she just told me like, until you stop acting crazy, don't come back in this house. And so I actually was one of those people who got like rejected by their parents. And yeah, we had each other blocked on everything for like almost a year. Yeah. And I had to like, I had to emancipate myself financially, like with the school and I had to get a job at little Caesars. (laughs) And did that, um, exacerbate your gender dysphoria or liberate or what, what, what did that do to you? Or maybe you didn't. Um, for me, the whole gender thing, I feel like in retrospect was just a coping mechanism for all of this bull crap. Yeah. So I definitely doubled down on it and I just like, um, yeah, I, I pretty much started declining mentally immediately after that. And yeah, I was just like, I would wear before this, I would only wear my binder. Like when I went out somewhere, but then I started just like basically from the moment I opened my eyes to just before I was about to drift off to sleep. I would just like wear my binder constantly. Um, I, yeah, I was like, I was just a mess, but yeah, I feel like it really made me double down on the gender dysphoria stuff because I was like, well, okay, I've chosen this path and the the whole parents thing didn't work out because I think semi-consciously I knew it was like about my parents, but I was like, that didn't work out. So now I'm not going to like, I'm not going to let them think that they got the best of me and just become a girl again. So double down. You know, it's like this when when there's this kind of reaction in the family, the stakes have just gotten so much higher. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to stake this claim to this new trans identity, you have to wear it 100 percent. You really have to get all in because you're basically recognizing that I might lose my family behind this. 
And, yeah, and in exactly. some cases, I, I do lose my family behind this. And what I mean, this is a pretty strong reaction. And I can imagine that if we were, you know, talking to your mom, she would explain where she was at. So I know there's always kind of reasons why people react maybe in unhelpful ways. But but parents sometimes think that if I take an extreme position, my child will decide not to throw away their family for this identity. And that's not what happens. They, yeah. they end up doubling down in a lot of cases. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like how I said earlier that some kids are trying to call their parents bluff on like, okay, you want to be wrapped up in, in your personal dramas? Well, I'm going to call your bluff and threaten... I guess my identity and our identity as a family with this trans thing, unless you pay attention to me. And I feel like on the flip side, there are parents out there who they feel like they can call the kids bluff. And it's just so many of these things are rooted so deeply in these irrational, emotional, and for young people, just underdeveloped ways of thinking and feeling that I think it needs to be tended to in a gentler way. Mm -hmm. Could I ask you, um, when you were doubling down or even before, were there many moments of clarity that you'd go, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl? Did did that happen? Nope. I was pretty much 100% until... I decided to detransition and like the dam broke. It was just like, I was so desperately clinging on to this. It felt like I was desperately clinging onto it with my dear life. Like it was the only thing I had left because everything else just felt, yeah, everything else just felt so completely uncertain. Like I, I went from being a teenager, being in this family despite its issues, but like it was constant um, to just one day, like I couldn't go back there. I could never see my pets again in my head. I I couldn't Mm. see my pets again. I couldn't be in my room again. I couldn't see my brother again. I couldn't see my grandparents again. And like, I was in this new place, living in a new place with new people, strange people. And so I just felt completely untethered. And the only thing that was really connecting me to who I've been for the last three or four years is this trans identity. And I just felt like, well, this is your chance. Like you've wanted this for so many years. Like now that you don't have anything to lose, just keep going for it. Oh my gosh. That's so powerful. That sense of having nothing else to lose. Yeah. So can you um, kind of forward the story? So did you have like no contact with your family during the time that you were um, moved out and transitioning? For a few months, I think maybe for like five, like four or five months, I had no contact with any of them. Um, and then eventually my dad got a hold of me. He ended up like calling the school and they sent me an email and like I went into the office and I asked them like, why I was like, why would you let my dad call me? He's transphobic and abusive or whatever. And they were like, well, we just had to let you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I ended up calling him and we had a conversation and I was still pretty heated about everything that happened with my mom. Um, and that was like one of the first times when I let myself kind of like feel my anger about what had happened with my mom, because pretty much immediately after that event, I just, I doubled down on the trans stuff, but I also just went completely numb inside 
And I was like smoking and drinking and stuff like that just to like numb myself out. Um, but once I had that conversation with my dad, then like all of those raw emotions came out and I really, like I tore into him, even Ooh. though he wasn't really the one who did it, but whatever, we have our own issues. And but, had you, had you taken testosterone at this point or? Yeah. So I started testosterone two days before I left for college. And did you get it easy or what was that process? Oh yeah, it was super easy. Um, my state didn't have informed consent at that point. Imagine that, right? Um, so I went to Chicago and I basically told my parents, like, I'm going to go hang out with a friend. And then I drove six hours to Chicago and I went to Planned Parenthood in Chicago. And then it was basically like an hour appointment where I talked to this social worker and I have all the records too of like the exact questions that she asked me and the answers that I gave her. They wrote all this down. Um, she asked me like a handful of questions, like how long have you known that you're trans? And I told her kind of like, you know, forever, like very standard kind of answers. And then she was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to the nurse practitioner. And then she came back in and she said, you know what? We're technically supposed to do a two week follow up visit so that we can get the blood work results back in. But considering you're so sure and you drove all this way, we're just going to give you the testosterone without even running any blood work. Because because you being sure will impact the blood work. I know, right? Your like, blood it's like, cells are going to transform to match your sureness. Yeah, my blood cells are transgender. Yeah. That's, so keep going. That's the irony. Okay, actually, um, I want to go back. Sorry, I want to go back a little bit because you talked yeah. about having this fight with dad. And he kind of was the conduit for your anger towards mom. But when you were talking about the coming out process, you were thinking about mom. Were you planning to ever come out to dad or was it just assumed that mom will tell dad? I mean, where's dad in this earlier part of the process? Yeah. So I, with my dad, it was kind of like, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it because the way that my family is structured, it's like, my mom is very much like the matriarch. Like she takes up that position of like directing everybody. She's definitely like the stronger personality. And then my dad is like, very much the not a strong personality. Um, so most things that I've just ever done in my life, it's always been like, Oh, I need to ask my mom. I need to go to my mom. I need to talk to my mom. And then my dad has always just kind of been like a footnote. Um, and so, yeah, just the whole time in my head, I was just like, well, I'll, I'll figure out a way to tell my dad later. I just really need to talk to my mom first. Interesting. Okay. So you're on the phone with dad after he gets in touch with the school you finally feel all your anger mm -hmm. from everything that has happened mm -hmm. and pick it up from there. Um, well, I suppose I should finish the testosterone thing because I was almost done with that. But since you asked, um, yeah. And then the, the nurse practitioner, she was just like, okay, yeah, we're going to give you your testosterone. Hooray. And then I said, well, I think that I have extra estrogen because my hips are big and I have big boobs, which I really don't. I just have body dysmorphia. Um, and no she was like, okay, finish this. Go on. Yeah, yeah, this is good. And then she said, okay, yeah, cool. Um, we'll give you a higher dose then. And she started me on a hundred milligrams a week, which is the highest dose 
and I have the medical records to prove it. You're supposed to start at like 0.25 milligrams per week, but she started me on a hundred. So I just like hit the ground. Not one, not one, 100. 100, 100 milligrams of testosterone per week. And you said, because I've got high estrogen, because I've got big hips and big boobs and I can see your slight. So yeah. Unlikely. As a scientist, <laughs> as a scientist, I've got high estrogen. Yeah. I, I said something like that where I was just like, well, I have big hips and you know, that is shocking. This is probably a lot like how they dealt with pain management. Because if I went into a doctor and said, I have a very low pain tolerance, they'd be like, we'll give you a little extra morphine. Yeah. You know, like this yeah. is, this is not a scientific process at all. This is totally subjective. Yeah. And I really like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like I, I just had no conception of like, how is a hundred milligrams of testosterone just right out the gate going to affect me as opposed to 25 milligrams were or whatever. Were you thrilled? Did you feel, yes, I'm getting straight to manhood here with this? Or what were you thinking? I felt, I felt like validated, but I think even back then, part of me was like, really? do we have to go all the way to 100? <laughs> but really? I was like, I wasn't going to turn it down at the same time. So yeah, I yeah. heard this from clients too, feeling like, oh, it's kind of cool that I didn't get gate kept, but also that's yeah. a little weird. Like people yeah. can tell intuitively, there's something weird about just being basically asked, how much do you want to take? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I literally remember leaving the clinic and like walking over to go back to my car or whatever after this appointment. And I was just like, huh, it's only two o'clock. That was easy. And you were on your own. Yeah. I just freshly turned 18. What a lonely event. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I'd like to hear about a a summary of how your relationship with your parents has evolved since that period in your life. Because obviously in your personal identity and personal understanding of all this, it has evolved tremendously. So I'm really curious to hear what happened in your relationship throughout the process of transitioning and the detransitioning and where things are at now. That's kind of the funny thing. I feel like I've changed so much, like radically in a way that I could have never expected. Obviously, nobody expects the change that happens to them. But if you would have showed 23-year-old me to 16-year-old me, like she just would have been like, I don't think she could have computed that. But like in terms of my relationship to my parents just really has not changed that much. It's just, it's been like, we don't fight anymore, but it's just kind of like hollow and distant and they don't ask about me. I don't ask about them. And if your 16 year old, you met you, you're two different people. Would you have liked you, you know, would 16 year old, you like 23 year old Helena? I think so. I think, I think she would have thought I might've been like a transphobic racist Nazi, but kind um, of interesting to you know, in jest because I was like a social justice warrior, not cause I'm actually a Nazi, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think she would have been a little sussed out by the way that my political opinions have changed. But I think she would have been, um, I think if I had the chance to talk to myself at 16, I would be able to make myself feel heard in a way that I'd never felt before. And cause I just didn't understand anything back then. I just knew like, I feel bad 
I hate myself. Nobody loves me. That's, that's how I felt. And like, if I could go and just tell her that like, there's a reason you're feeling this way, it's not all your fault. I feel like that would be a very positive thing. Could I ask about, um, you know, it's, it's only two o'clock and here I am with my hundred milligrams. There's something incredibly lonely about you going back to the car on your own, just past your 18th birthday, embarking on this thing. Wow, it must have been really, really, I don't know, I get a real sense of of loneliness and kind of how th- these kids must feel. It's like, this is it, I'm, ta- I'm taking control. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a frightening prospect of kids. I'm just imagining kids all over the place doing exactly that. I think if there was one word that could just sum up the whole vibe of my transition, not so much the time I spent before I transitioned, but identifying as trans, just kind of like dicking around on Tumblr all day, but my actual transition of like taking testosterone trying to pass as a man, I think the one word that would encapsulate that is just lonely, like just God forsaken lonely because it's just like it's 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 a kind of loneliness where it's like you don't even have yourself because you're lying to yourself and not only that you're not just lying to yourself you're taking yourself and you're shoving it into a box where nobody else can see it and you can't see it and and that little that that you is just suffocating away in this box and so there's this intense and pervasive feeling of loneliness that I feel like I, I just felt constantly during that period of my life. Wow. That's so profound and it's so intense. And I mean, this is kind of a, an odd segue. Sometimes, you know, I hear back from families that I've consulted with and talked with And every now and then a parent will say something like, even though this has been the hardest thing ever, my kid and I are closer than we ever were before. And Mm -hmm. this, this gender thing alerted us to some things we really needed to work on. Yeah. Which is the opposite of loneliness. And so, you know, I I so appreciate how much you've been willing in, in interviews and through your writing and stuff to try and help families Because as you share more about your own story, it's like your parents never really got on board in that way. And I I always wonder, like, there are so many people who think you're a complete rock star and parents who, like, hang on to your every word and watch your videos. (laughs) And, like, do do your parents know what you're doing? Do Do they watch you? Do they understand do you think they they have tried to peer into that part of your life? Um, they know that I do stuff on Twitter, and I don't think they know how many followers I have. Um, and they know that I've done like podcasts and stuff because I was on Andrew Sullivan's podcast, and I told my dad because he likes Andrew Sullivan, so I was like, "Hey, I was on Andrew Sullivan's podcast," and he was like, "That's cool," like. Okay. <laughs> um, very like anticlimactic again. Um, and, uh, there was, 
a recent thing that I did. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say, but um, it's decently big. And I told my parents about that and they were pretty hyped about that. But it's like, yeah, they don't really like ask. Finally. Yeah. All I had to do was like get on something cute. cable TV. <laughs> Um, on on but, the Sasha and Stella podcast, that's what they're excited yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh. Do you know who Stella O'Malley from Ireland is? <laughs> no, that's literally me. That's how I talk to people. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I'm recording for um, Gender A Wider Lens. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, <laughs> Stella O'Malley and Sasha Ayad. Hello. <laughs> you flatter us everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to ask um i'm just imagining okay that kid because i see as a kid going back to her car and something about that that's definitely going to stay with me and then off you went and you kind of like you said dicking around on tumblr you know you're probably taking testosterone imagine staying lonely online Mm -hmm. doing the social justice thing is that right actually not so much when i started testosterone i stopped being online really um i i kind of stopped using tumblr i used twitter here and there but i had like 10 followers and same account by the way (laughs) um so yeah I, i just didn't really use the internet that much but i had like a small circle of like my roommates who were all also trans and i guess it's like I don't know. I just kind of like died inside. Like I was just like, I don't have any need for socializing. I don't have any need for, I don't have any desire to reach out to anyone. I'll just talk to my roommates and my ex and smoke weed and drink. So it was a very insular life. These are all kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you come out of it or what happened or did you stay in it and did it fall apart? I feel like this is still affecting me to a great deal today. Like just the the way that my life changed into like making me a very like insular and like self-isolating person. I already kind of had those tendencies, but it just like, it just really completely changed my behavior when I started transitioning. Um, and I get better continuously and I'm like, I'm, I'm still like on my like healing journey from all this because like just... The, the psychological effect that this all had on me was pretty hard to overstate. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm still kind of dealing with that today where it's like I, I just have a, a habit of cutting myself off. And it's not because I'm intentionally doing it. It's just like something about that experience just um, made me very lonely, like in like a self-perpetuating way. And you still feel this kind of, it feels like there's a stable place with your parents, but it seems like you still feel like a loneliness even in their presence. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because it's, it's like, that's, that's kind of been like the, the biggest, the biggest pill to swallow after all of this, considering how much of my motivation for the whole trans journey that I took and how much of an effect that had on me in the end, um, how much of the motivation was trying to get 
attention from my parents, basically. Or and the fact to that get I just, authenticity from your parents and to get some, yeah. gen, in, in your defense, it wasn't attention yeah. only. It was like, can we be real? Yeah. Closeness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. or engagement. Yeah. All those yeah. words, yeah. all those words work. Um, and then I just never got it. And that like, still, even after I moved back to Cincinnati, after living in Chicago for so many years, it's like, my dad's never been to my apartment. My mom's been here once. I lived here a year. We never talk. They're not interested at all. And that, that's that been the biggest thing to swallow. That's like, okay, it's like, there's just something with my family. There's something with them that it's just, it's not going to be resolved by me wigging mm-hmm. out and having an eating disorder. It's not going to be resolved by me self-harming. It's not going to be resolved by me mm-hmm. transitioning. It's not going to be resolved by me being super nice and baking them cakes and bringing them cookies all the time. God no. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's going to the well when the well is dry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, is there siblings? I have a little brother. He's uh, He just turned 20. My cat is... <laughs> Sorry. Is your cat your child? Ah, uh, yeah, clearly. Okay. Although, in fairness, now not being a cat person, oh. would you not have got oh. a dog after all that coldness? Oh my god! <laughs> Helena just showed us her cat, and it's beautiful. <laughs> Do you still have Hot Dog the cat? Don't hot you? Dog. <laughs> His name is Corn Dog. Have a cat named Oh Corn Dog. <laughs> Yeah. So just for anybody who's unfamiliar with my cats, um, I have a tabby with like a short stumpy tail and my roommate from back when I was trans uh, named him corn dog because his tail looks like a corn dog. And then I have her real name is Gucci. My mom named her that and I don't like it that much. So I just call her Gooby. Um, Yeah, that's the fluffy black one. And she actually I've had her since I was in like seventh grade. Um, I just ended up taking one of them in because my parents are like trying to sell the house, getting divorced, yada, yada. Um, so I saved her (laughs) and now she lives with me. So I want to, I want to kind of wrap my mind around everything you've shared with us because we we have a lot of parents listening to this right now. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying, at least for your experience And I think this is probably true for a lot of young females. Something about the extreme nature of announcing a trans identity and saying that you're going to transform your body and your life Mm -hmm. is a way to call your attention to your parents who need to lean in with interest in who you are as a person, with care, with compassion, with a sense of togetherness, like we're going to figure this out together. Yeah. And it's a, I do feel like it's a little bit heartbreaking that you're, you're so generous with your time trying to help these other families. And in a way it's like, you never got the resolution you were hoping for in yours. I just, I appreciate that there's something really tough about that, but for parents who are trying to, do better and be there for their kids. Do you have any kind of advice or any way to help them lean in differently and in a way that might help support their kid through this? Yeah. Um, 
it is it is tough that I didn't get any kind of like resolution or really anything out of my parents as of right now, or I guess in general. Um, but I do feel like I get some resolution when I talk to parents. And I feel like that's why I do it, even though all these different families, like they're completely different from mine in a lot of ways. Um, but it just... I feel like that's kind of what keeps me here. Like that's yeah. what keeps me on my Twitter account. That's what that's keeps lovely. me doing these podcasts because I just have this, like this need within me to like seek that out. But like I said, the, the well is dry or like you said, the well is dry from my parents. So it's like, if I can just, if I can say all of these things that I wish I could say to my parents and have them hear me to someone else and they actually use that and they actually go, get closer to their child and they, and their child feels more loved and more at home in their own home, then it it feels like I I get a little bit of closure every time when, when like a parent comes to me and is like, Oh, like you've just helped me understand so much or it, that it's, it's really motivating for me. But, um, what was your exact question again? I'm getting emotional. Yeah, this is very emotional. I I I have a question. Um, Can I ask my question first? <laughs> <laughs> but then she's mine. Okay, my question was like, what what is like a good starting point for parents? Like, what would be like step one? Like parenting one hundred and one when your kid just announced trans. Like, what do they need to first think about or do? Um, step one would be get some space. Don't just dive into it, trying to like reactively engage with the situation. Um, because there's just, it's, it's not what it seems on the surface is it it, like, it almost doesn't matter anything about the gender identity, like the gender identity. That's just like a red herring. What's what you actually want to be having conversations about and what you actually want to be focusing on and thinking on is not pronouns and binders. It's all of this other like kind of deeper stuff. Um, So yeah, just kind of get some space and find a way to calm yourself so that you're not, or find a way to kind of reorient your thinking so that you're not stuck in this, I feel like a lot of parents get stuck in a mentality of like, if I don't change their mind right now, they're going to go get surgeries and they're going to go get hormones. So it's my job to change their mind. And what I want parents to understand is that it's not your job to change your mind, to change their mind. It's really your job to kind of be the, be the person who's aware because the kid is not aware. They're like on like, practically drugs it's tumblr but it's drugs um so yeah the parent's job is to just be the one who's who's aware not only of what's going on with the child and that's difficult because you can't mind read so i'll get to that in a second um and be aware of what's going on in the family like are there things that aren't really being said are there things that kind of need to be addressed um and also what's going on with themselves like i feel like this is a a moment when parents really need to be honest with themselves um and uh i feel like there's a lot of parents where 
they are very well intended and they do understand what I'm saying to a point where they're like, okay, there's something deeper going on. It's not just about arguing about the gender identity. I need to understand what's going on beneath the surface. But then I think, especially if you get involved on like Twitter or, um, just a lot of like parenting groups, you might end up jumping to conclusions about what's really going on beneath the surface without actually having those deeper conversations with your child first. And then you might say, well, my child doesn't want to have deep conversations with me. And to that, I would say you have to start slow. Like you kind of have to like, you have to show, not just say, but show that like you are going to like continue giving that love and hearing what they say even if right now they're not in the space to engage with that with you, to engage in that with you, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think biggest things for parents for me is um, assess kind of where you are in the mm -hmm. relationship. Like, mm -hmm. is it, is there a lot of animosity? When did that start? Why do you think that started? What was going on from the child's perspective when that started? Um, is there distance? How long has that been going on? What kind of distance is it? Um, are you typically close, but there are certain things that you recognize come up again and again and again that are similar themes that cause arguments? Mm. Um, like just start thinking about these kinds of things and then slowly start to earn that trust back from your child and slowly start to show your child that you aren't a threat or you aren't ignoring them. It's really difficult. It sounds easier than it actually is. People are very unpredictable and irrational and you might be thinking you're doing everything right, but she still doesn't want to listen to you or have family dinner or whatever. But um, at that point, it, it, you always have to bring yourself back to awareness and honesty, being aware of what's going on with yourself and your family, and then honesty with your child and um, with yourself. And I think also this is a good opportunity for parents to practice being emotionally honest and vulnerable with their kids. Because I think this kind of comes along at a really weird age where when a kid is a proper kid, it, it's hard to be emotionally honest and vulnerable with them because they're so young. But then as an adolescent, those kids are kind of just starting to grow up into the age where they can have those kinds of relationships that are a little bit more complex than a child can have. And so this is a really good opportunity that, you know, if them uh, identifying as trans makes you feel really sad because of X, Y, Z, or feel a little bit angry because of X, Y, Z. Don't just like explosively put that out there, but just kind of go back, reflect, figure out a way that you can honestly and truthfully express that to them and have like a genuine outreach of connection that stems from you and isn't like fake and parenty you know yeah. um, teenagers so. teenagers crave honest honesty and mm -hmm. authenticity and they're they're they have a radar for people who are being inauthentic 
Mm-hmm. Kids hate people who they yes. can tell are being fake. Yes. And you talked earlier about how there's some things about your family that it felt fake or felt forced mm-hmm. or felt like everything mm-hmm. was surface. And if you have a teenager, they're going to start sniffing that out and they're not going to tolerate yeah. that. And yeah. that's kind of like the gift and the curse of teenagers. They call people out on that explicitly. Yes. Yes. So I think that advice of being more authentic with your kids is incredibly helpful along with everything else you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you're right there. I think I, I, as a parent, I think a lot of, a lot of us kind of were afraid to be emotionally honest because sometimes mm-hmm. that's a very hard and dark place. And for the first 10 years of their life, we were trying to give them, you know, this Disney kind of affair and so yeah. it, can be, it can be very hard. What could I, do you mind me asking what, um, was there a moment that you kind of decided I'm going to detransition or was it a, you said something like a damn burst that it kind of went full on from a hundred to zero. What was that all about? Yeah. So for a few months, I kind of had these like nagging feelings. It wasn't so much doubt about like the gender identity. It was more like, like, God, I miss just being able to like chill out in my leggings and not have to wear basketball shorts all the time. Like, it's just like kind of dumb stuff like that. Um, and those things kind of started piling up. And I think occasionally I would go on Reddit and I would look up like, you know, like one of my major feelings was like, I hate being trans. It wasn't an option that I'm not actually trans. It was, I hate being trans. I wish I was a cis girl. But in my head, I was like, that's not possible because I'm not a cis girl. I'm a trans boy. You weren't wishing you were a cis boy. You were wishing you were a cis girl. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I kind of got to that point towards the end where I was just like, I wish I wasn't a trans boy. I wish I could just be a cis girl, but I can't because I'm a trans and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then, yeah, my ex. And then the video reel, right? You told us about that last Yeah. The video video montage. Stella, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Can you share with us? I mean, obviously, there's a kind of emotional depth that you craved with your parents that you didn't get. And the truth is, you know, acknowledging that we don't get to pick our parents is also the task of growing up Mm -hmm. and kind of like mourning the loss of the fantasy of what we wish we had with our parents. Yeah. And I also find that even for the most challenged and dysfunctional relationships, there are these moments where we do feel connected with our parents, where maybe it's like talking about, you know, some particular topic that your parents really liven up and you can have those moments with them. Or maybe it's like looking through old family albums. Like are there particular moments or experiences you have where you feel a closeness with your parents that maybe isn't the same emotional depth that you're craving, but it's something that helps you feel connected. The things that are coming up are all when I was pretty young. Like I just, I remember one time, like I was in kindergarten and my, I thought I was taking the bus home But then I looked over and I saw my dad walk in the door and I was like, so happy. I like ran to him and jumped up on him and he like picked me up and like twirled me around. Um, It's like, there's moments like that, but they're all when I was really young and it just feels like by the time 
I reached, you know, middle school, like both of my parents had kind of checked out of the family relationship. And it was just like, like just ships in the night. Nobody was really interacting mm. on any meaningful level. Mm. I, I just, I honestly can't think of, yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything that, that happened after around like the time I started middle school. I was also raised by a lot of like babysitters and, and aunts and stuff. So most of my like interactions, like I rarely saw my parents really, honestly. Mm. You said something about loneliness earlier and you were kind of saying, I think that, uh, you know, the trans life puts you on a lonely path, but I wonder, was it, was it there anyway? And was it, was, do, do you know what I mean? Was that just part yeah. of it that it was, you were on it anyway? Yeah, I think it, um, I think it might've been one of those situations where I was kind of already on a little bit of like the lonely path just because of like so many things, just not having a relationship with my parents, um, not having a lot of friends in middle and high school and a lot of babysitters, stuff like that. Um, but I think around the time I kind of like left my parents' house, if I had gotten the, the opportunity maybe this is wishful thinking, but if I had gotten the opportunity to have like a more normal college experience, then I would have like made friends and stuff like that. At least I, I kind of like to think, but also I can be, I have a big personality, so I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but um, <laughs> I, I like to think maybe I would, I would have had a, a different opportunity to kind of develop a little bit differently, but just because of the, the nature of what transitioning was like for me, I think it just like really solidified, like it did a number on my self-esteem and it did a number on, you know, just my ability to like relate to the world. Yeah. It, was, it was just a very, like being like a feminine straight girl being in like a mental headspace where I was using the men's bathroom next to like giant dudes, just like peeing on the open, like girl, mm. it just, it, it just did something to my, my psychology. I think like, not that it's irreversible or anything, but I do think that kind of like solidified some stuff that probably was there since a young age. But I think it might've been a little bit different if I didn't have that ex like specific experience. I hear you. It's like you found ways to recreate the sense of being an outsider in your family in so many realms of your life. Yeah. I think I identified with being an outsider. I think I still do. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I always kind of had that identity. And interestingly, yeah. now you're actually part of something really huge where... I don't know if you feel this way, but I know from people that I've talked to people you don't even know feel so incredibly drawn to you and feel like you're speaking in a way that makes so much sense that you help people feel like they're part of something. Like that's the irony. When you talk honestly about your trans experience and your detransition, there are so many people who I've met that say, oh my God, like listening to Helena makes me hopeful, makes me feel like there's some 
logic here that we can extract from this. So oh, that's so good. I don't know if you get that, but I think a lot of people hear you and feel connected just because what you say is so profound and helpful. I, that genuinely makes me happy because like I said before, this is just like, sometimes I think to myself, like so many people just detransition, look like a girl again and then move on. But with me, it's like, I'm still here kind of chipping away at this every day. Um, and it is nice. I, I do. I, I kind of agree. I think that I have like a unique quality in this conversation. Um, but it's nice that it makes me happy that, you know, I'm being fruitful and people are looking at this in a different way. Cause I just see so much, like there's so many different perspectives on it that I think you can just kind of get lost in like the swamp. And I would just like to be like, clear about this outside of just a political and social theory context, like what's really going on. Yeah. Are you doing anything now in your life to make up for those like lonely years? Are you now that COVID is winding down? I know you're in school. Do you feel like you're doing anything to make up for that time? (laughs) Um, Like I said, this is definitely something that I still kind of struggle with. Like, it's like, I just, I am in school, but it's like, it's just like no one I've really connected with. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, I have like amazing online friends and I go to great lengths to meet up with them and that's always fun. But yeah, I, I very much want to feel someday like I'm part of a community and I have like a home with like a, yeah. a network of people and just feel kind of like integrated into a community because yeah. never really had that, but I would like to someday. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and kind of being part of our online community, um, our, our podcast community. So thank you so <laughs> much for opening up and sharing your insights. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. I feel like I spilled my guts, but it <laughs> we'll was help good. you pick them back up if they need to be <laughs> picked up off the floor. Thank you, Helena. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Gender, A Wider Lens. This podcast is partially sponsored by Rhyme, Rethink Identity Medicine Ethics. RIME is a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the long-term care for gender-variant individuals. Visit rethinkime.org to learn more. If you found value in our show, please review us on iTunes and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just go to our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash widerlenspod. Our discussions are for educational purposes only and are not intended as a substitute for mental health services.